Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, member Nightshade shares his winding road to working at one of the top proprietary trading shops in the world. We cover how he continually took on a lot of risk and bet on himself, what he did when he was unemployed for months at a time, more than once in the first few years out of school, and how he prepared for the tricky brain teasers and mental math that can rattle even the most polished candidates. Enjoy. Nightshade, thank you for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. So it'd be great if you could just walk the listeners through your um, your background. Yeah, yeah. So my current role right now is, I guess you can give it a few names, trader, portfolio manager, market maker um, of uh, options. So we, we're trading the implied volatility of options on fixed income products. Um, I know on, on the website, you guys like to distinguish whether it's a buy side or sell side role. So technically, this would be a buy side role. Um, and so the function of my job and my business is to provide you know, liquidity on exchange traded products. And again, we're, we're in the fixed income portion of the, of the merge. So, yeah. Cool. And so did you um, go to school for this? How did you kind of, um, how did you do an undergrad? And then how did that kind of proceed to you getting this job? Yeah, uh, so, you know, I went, to, I went to UIUC, University of Illinois, uh, studied economics, and got a minor in informatics, which is kind of like uh, computer science-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I had buddies in college that, you know, they, were, they had always been talking about finance and trading and all that. But to be honest, you know, I didn't really know too much about financial markets. I just knew that, you know, coming out of college, I wanted, you know, I wanted to create the best life for myself, and I knew that finance and trading was something that can definitely, uh, you know, you, you can make a little bit of money quicker than everybody else. So I kind of just, I stuck to the idea of becoming a trader and that was kind of, so it was, was kind of it. It was mostly like friends kind of telling you about it, you feel like, or like upperclassmen or something, or were you trading yeah, with your own accounts friends, and stuff? Friends I grew up with like in, in high school and college, yeah. you know, they, they, their parents were more in like the finance world. Now just kind of like the kid on the side, yeah. you know, listening quietly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I took their passions and kind of made it my own. So. Got it. Was your, was your family not in the finance space at all, like your parents? No, not really. My, my mom's a teacher. My dad works for an engineering firm. So got it. Know, I re- I really had no no connection in besides just like my friends talking about it. So. Okay, so you get to you get to college. You're kind of like, you're, you know, you kind of want to go into finance right from the get go, right? You're just not too sure about what specifically, or you're thinking <laughs> trading side. Yeah, I mean, even even throughout college, I hadn't you know econ major. That's kind of you know. 
it's broad. the tickets to any kind of, you know, it's very broad. So I could have done, you know, business, consulting, whatever. Right. And then you, you, hit, you hit senior year and you're kind of like in this existentialism where it's like, you know, what, what am I really going to do with my life? So in, you know, in those six months up until graduation, that's when I really kind of buckled down and figured out, you know, what are my skills? What am I good at? What do I value? And, you know, where do I see myself? So, you know, do I want to, do I want to be emailing back and forth all day and going to meetings? Not really. Do I want to do stuff that's analytical and math based? Probably more so. Mm-hmm. I knew I was good at math, like mental math and stuff like that. So I kind of just took a, took a guess and it ended up being what I liked. So that's interesting. Yeah. So like when you, you were waiting kind of, did you have internships kind of going through school, like trying to figure that out as well? Or like you felt like it took all the way till senior year to really hone, like, were you doing trading yeah. internships and stuff? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Yeah. So, like, you know, I wasn't really, work, you know, I wasn't trading on any like brokerage accounts. I wasn't doing anything on the side like that. I wasn't really interested in it. Um, and like freshman, sophomore year, I was driving a truck, mm-hmm. funny enough. So I was delivering like bags of ice. And then, you know, I, I had interviewed for um, a, a job, an internship at the exchange, so CME group. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have a slight connection there. My, you know, my stepmom happened to have worked at the exchange and like market regulation or something many years prior. Yep. So she kind of just, you know, emailed someone for me and then ended up landing me an interview and I didn't even get the job right away. It was like mid summer. They ended up calling me saying that the guy that got my position quit and that they needed someone to fill the gap. So yeah. <laughs> I was sitting in my truck and they're like, um, and I accepted the job offer. So hell yeah. yeah. So then you run there, right? Yeah, like just awesome. to get that on your, on your resume. Yeah. That's huge. It was, it was awesome. So yeah, you, I got the, I got the experience of, you know, working in some sort of financial institution. It was, you know, it was operations at an exchange. So really all I got to see was how, you know, balance, cash balances between the prime brokers netted out on the, on the exchange level. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just being able to talk about that in any interview going forward, you, you know, it was just, it, it was something that made you sound smart and it was finance related. So it was automatically kind of like a foot in the door. Got it. And it gave you a couple good bullets for the resume, I assume. Right, um, right. That we're focused on trading. So, like, once you did that, were you like, this is definitely what I want to do, but like, obviously, more on the actual trading side and less on the operations? <laughs> yeah, I, I just remember like sitting in college, reflecting back on my summers uh, in the internship. And I just remember the corporate culture was just something I didn't really gel with. You know, people were, I don't know. It's it just something I, I felt like I needed to do more, something more risk taking, a little bit more adrenaline filled. I, I, after a couple months of staying in the office, at the exchange, I, I just knew I wasn't for it. So, so yeah. So tell me kind of how, what proceeded next. So that was your, after your sophomore year? That was like your sophomore yeah, summer? Yeah, after, after, yeah, sophomore summer and junior summer. And junior so summer then, you did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so tell me how that, then like, okay, you get to senior year, you don't have a full-time offer. You're a little nervous, <laughs> existential crisis. Like, what am I going to do kind of thing? <laughs> kind, of, kind of, yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I did have an offer at the exchange. Um, okay. You know, I was. I think the offer was you know 65k, which isn't bad at, at 22 years old. Mm-hmm. And part of the package was like you know they're gonna pay, they're gonna pay for your a master's degree if you want it, and you know you can climb the climb the ladder there. But you know I, I started asking around like people that I had met, like my my friend's parents that were like one of my friend's parents was an MD at a bank. Yeah. So I asked him like you know what what would you do in that situation? You know I clear I want to be a trader. I don't really want to you know, pigeonhole myself into a job in an exchange. Um, you know, and his advice was, you know, you, you got to just take the job offer that you have. It's, it's always easier to transition after you have a job and you're starting to make money. Right. But, you know, 
I, I tend to find, you know, I have my own opinions and I tend to, I've tended to make the right decisions throughout my life. It seems. Yep. I don't know. <laughs> so you're, I, you're stubborn. In other words, <laughs> I'm, I guess, I guess the word is stubborn. Yeah. So even though an MD at a top bank was telling me to take the job, I was like, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. So I declined the offer and I just kind of went, Oh okay. yeah. No, let me, let me backtrack. So sure. after, after declining that offer, I was like, all right, well now, now what, what do I do? So, yeah. I was like, all right, well, who do I know that could potentially get me into trading? I didn't really want to ask my friends because it's kind of like that gray area. You don't want to like yeah. step on people's toes. Mm-hmm. So I remembered a conversation in, in high school I had with a girl, and she was telling me about how her dad was a trader. And I remember like going to a party at her house, and her house was really big. And I was like, oh, what? How do you have all this money? So I, I messaged her on Facebook, and she ended up connecting me with her dad. Like this is you know totally out of left field. And I ended up having a phone conversation with him. He sent me over getting the number to a guy that he used to trade with i talked to him walked into the office um basically said hey you know i'll work for free i really want to be a trader like i'll do anything it takes you know kind of shot yeah. the shit with him excuse my language um but he was like you know i think you should you know keep keep perusing um and come back to me if you don't find anything hmm. and i didn't find anything after a month and so i gra- once once i graduated i gave him another call said hey you know i don't have a job offer now do you mind if I come work for you for free? Walked back in the office. They gave me my, my trading jacket, and I got introduced to the trader I was going to work for. What does um, that mean, trading uh, jacket? Sorry if I'm totally clueless with trading. What does that mean, trading jacket? Yeah, yeah, so, sure. So, so he's like, yeah, we'll pay you ten bucks an hour. We'll you can you can you can be an intern. Uh, let me find you a trader that you're going to work for. So they they found one of the guys that was pretty profitable on, under their group. Mm-hmm. He was kind of like a just a standalone trader. Yep. Um, trading on the floor so you need a, you know you need a jacket to, to be on the floor got a it. trading jacket got it it's the, it's the jacket that you hold all your, your trading cards in and all that stuff so you're still so, on it you you still ended up on the on the floor but it was at least doing the actual trades not as operations not like clearing right yes stuff. exactly so okay. 10 bucks an hour to not do operations to be kind of in the track <laughs> i wanted but hey I, I wasn't even trading i was uh i was a clerk you know so i just you know, I talked to this guy when he wasn't on the, you know, in the actual pit. He would just come and say hi to me. I'd ask him questions. I'd read this book called Option Volatility and Pricing by mm-hmm. by Sheldon Natenberg. So I kind of like obsessed over that and a couple other books and just would just pick pick this guy's brain. And then I would like run and get him coffee and lunch <laughs> and, then clear, and then like clear his trades. And then, you know, after five months, I was as good as anyone my age, probably, Did- you know, did you feel yeah. like did you feel like this is something you'd be doing after graduating from with a college degree? Like, did you expect this, or it just was like whatever? I'm just going to do what I have to do. Was that the mentality, or I'm curious <laughs> to kind of like, did you ever look up when you were kind of reading those books, fetching coffee, running around, like, and think, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm here? Or it was like, were you appreciative, or were you like disappointed? I'd love to get a little insight there. Yeah, yeah. So, no, yeah, I definitely, I didn't come from a, a wealthy background at all. Mm-hmm. So just being able to be on the floor and see the culture and like just being in that room and seeing who's the guy that's always on CNBC that's screaming. What's his name? Oh, Rick, Rick Santelli. Yeah. I yeah. saw him. <laughs> so, yeah, I was, I was more than appreciative. It was probably, you know, it was kind of, kind of a dream come true in a way. Like even though I wasn't getting the, you know, I wasn't making the money. Yeah. I was there. You know? Yeah. I was, I was around. So. No, it was it was all it was awesome. I remember just having extreme like bursts of adrenaline and like euphoria when I was reading these books and like helping this guy out. And like, you know, you could tell that he was actually like generally impressed with my work. Like I, I was asking him all the right questions within a few weeks. Like 
you could tell that I was understanding options trading pretty quickly, which is, you know, it's not an easy thing, you know, reading these like textbooks, it's super dry. And then to understand yeah. it right away, it was pretty impressive in its own way. So I was proud of myself. Yeah. And so he was, he was impressed by, you know, within a couple months, you were asking, the, well, within a couple, like a month or so, you were asking the right questions you're reading and you're kind of seeing right. how all the theories being applied actually on the floor. Exactly, exactly. Got it. Okay. So what, what made you, was it because you were just so interested in it? Or was it because you were just like, Hey, I want to become an actual, the only way I become an actual trader is if I, if I, you know, master this, what was the, the motivation behind that? Was it money? Was it um, just trying to survive? It, I guess it was a culmination of things, you know, in my mind, it was like, you know, this is kind of my one shot, you know, there's only a few jobs you can get given my GPA, given my degree that are going to pay you, you know, quickly six figures, um, at 22, 23, 24 years old. Otherwise, you know, you're in a, you're in a desk job, you know, right. so you could get in, you can get into investment banking, but that's a lot of work. And quite frankly, I'm a little lazy when it comes to certain things. <laughs> the op, you know, the options trading was very cerebral and it was very math based. And like the theoretical side of it was just like cool to think about, like how you, how you look about, look at like, you know, yeah, I don't know, like the bell curve and like normal distributions and like how like those things change given like certain assumptions. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, like I, I had somewhat of a stats background, somewhat of a programming background. So it just felt like it just made sense for me to get into and like I, I could apply it. And it would, and I, I just saw myself being good at it. And I guess another reason was a lot of people would compare trading like that adrenaline rush and that decision-making. Mm -hmm. They compare that a lot to like video games, I guess, as cheesy as it is. Like, you know, esports is becoming super big right now. Yep. <laughs> Some guy on the news the other day just made 3 million bucks for winning a tournament. I saw that. Yep. It was kind of, I just, I just remember like, you know, growing up, I was big into Halo and like all these different like video games. And I was, I was extremely good at those. You know, when I was 15 years old, I put a video online of me going, you know, 30, 31 kills, zero deaths in Halo. And I got like 30,000 views pretty quickly. <laughs> and like, I never, even, I never even like logged onto my YouTube account. And like, that's, I just looked and was like, oh, wow, that's pretty cool. That's so I just funny. knew that I had like, you know, I was, I was quick at decision making. I loved adrenaline and I knew that I had, my opinions tended to be right at yep. certain times when they needed to be. Yep. So I just knew that trading itself was something I knew I could be good at. Yep. So I kind of just went with it. Yeah. Curious, do you play poker at all? Uh, you know, I, I I play a little bit, but no, there's nothing I got super into. I get too impatient. After an hour, I just want to like go all in. Yeah, <laughs> you want to gamble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got it. Okay, so um, in terms of the um, the progression, then so you're you're there. You're kind of you're an intern. I assume they eventually make you a trader. How does that work? Or you know, how long do you, are you expected to be an intern? Is there communication around that? Are they telling you like, hey, if you do a good job for a year? There's a, there's a chance we'll make you, you know, full time or whatever. How does that work? Yeah. So this was definitely tricky and it was kind of a contentious thing that happened after a few months. So, you know, he, he would say like hypothetically, Hey, you know, I could pay you 50 grand to like, to be like a full-time clerk and like learn to actually trade on my account. Um, and you can start making some trades. And he would say that like hypothetically, but he never actually like gave me the offer. So mm -hmm. then after five months, I was like, Hey, listen, like I'm sick of getting you coffee and stuff. Like, can I, are you going to give me a, a pay bump? Mm -hmm. So we ended up, he, he gave me a pay bump. He, you know, he offered me to do all those things, but it wasn't the dollar amount he, he had been talking about for those past few months. So I kind of felt blindsided. It was not like disrespected in, in a slight way. Was he, tra this was like kind of was he trading, was he trading you? <laughs> he's, he's, he's arbitraging the labor, your labor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a classic trader move saying one, giving, anchoring me to one level and then like right. actually bringing a different level knowing that I'd probably take it. But no, when he gave me that offer, you know, I, 
at the time, you know, I was so gung ho about like making stuff happen for myself where I just immediately walked out of the room. I was like, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for your time. I'll talk to you later. Yeah. I walked out and then that was kind of, that was kind of it. So then I was back to square one again. Like, what do I do? But now I had the resume that had all this trading experience. And I knew like after these five months obsessing over it, like I was more hireable than, and pretty much anyone that would walk into like an entry level trading position. So you know, even if there was someone back, back up for saying, even as a clerk, you felt like you could talk about the trades um, on such a level because you'd kind of been picking his brain for almost half a year. You felt like you were ready, kind of to to go into an yeah, interview. Okay, exactly. Yeah, it was like six months, and like it was it was literally the only thing I thought about day and night. So like, at the end of those six months, I knew exactly his business model. I knew how he traded. It was, you know, it was kind of like second nature to talk about. Yeah. So, you know, if they if they got a guy from an Ivy League school to come in for a trading assistant role at a top firm interview, he would probably sound smart because he'd have a bunch of credentials. Like, oh, yeah, I, you know, I went to Stanford. I have a computer science degree. Right. I also know a little bit about finance. I have a background. You know, I've been doing trading on my brokerage account. Or there's this guy from UIUC who, who, who took on all the risks in the world by, like, declining offers and, like, working for free, basically. Mm-hmm. Who knows everything about actual market making. So when they talked to me in an interview, that ended up working out well. But so, the, but the trick is like, how do you? You have to have a resume that's built to, to get you that interview in the first place. Again, I had zero, I had zero connections, but I, you know, I built my resume up to look, you know, somewhat perfectly. So like, you know, the top bullet points were, hey, I work on the trading floor for this firm. I have this experience with these, you know, with these numbers. And then below it, I had all my. I knew all the buzzwords at that point. Now I knew they were looking for people's engineering backgrounds, uh, programming backgrounds, stats backgrounds. So I, I hit all those buzzwords. It's not like, you know, I had that experience in college. It wasn't my major, but I definitely could expound upon the fact that I, I have experience in our stats programming in Python right. and things like that. And then, so you were, you were comfortable enough to put it on your resume where you felt like in the interview, if they challenged you on it, you could at least talk about it and you wouldn't be completely lost. Exactly. So yeah, as long as you can okay. talk about like the application of like, yeah, I can do like financial right. modeling and Python on a, on a basic level. I can work with data structures, but I understand more so that like, if I can do these things, what, what am I going to do with that? Like, can I, I can build a volatility pricing model, like a little bit more complex stuff than like an, the average floor trader. I don't know if that, that was valuable. So after a few months, I did start landing interviews. Um, tell me about that process you said after a few months so you walk out of the room what's the first thing you do after you say no uh, call somebody and, and vent <laughs> yeah, yeah I probably called one of my buddies like dude this is a bunch of bull crap um, but yeah then I get home and then I hop on a computer kind of like doctor up my resume a little bit better and then just you know I'm on LinkedIn mm-hmm. look for all the easy applies so like you put in trader and then it says like it'll bring up a bunch of different jobs job whatever that people are looking for yep. and you find the ones that said easy apply you put your resume on it and you just click all the easy applies that you can it's a big time numbers game you know because i don't really care what firm i'm i'm going for right now i just know it needs to be a firm that has enough people where it's like you know they're trading more than one market because the, the guy i was working with before he was a standalone guy trading beans yeah which you know i need to take that experience and go work for like a an actual an actual firm that has multiple desks and multiple. So how did you, did you do a, did you put like a filter on your, on your LinkedIn search, like a employees, 50 employees or more or something like that? Exactly. Yeah. So I did a filter. I wanted anything trading related, anything like, uh, an analyst related, but did you have to buy like a a premium LinkedIn premium to do that? Or is that 
that built into like the standard no. LinkedIn, standard LinkedIn. Okay. It was built into standard LinkedIn. Okay. So yeah, I mean, after doing that and then like, then also doing like the nitty gritty applications, you have to put in all your information. It's tedious, but you, you got to do it anyway. Yep. You know, maybe I applied to like 50 different firms that I could, got a few interviews. And then, so step one is like, you know, you talk to the HR on the phone um, and they kind of just go through your background. And that's where it's easy because now that my resume is built and it has this training experience, yep. this, this lady in HR, like she's just doing her job. Clearly, this guy has trading experience, so we're just going to move him along. Right. And so, just as long as you, you don't sound like a complete psycho on the phone or, or weird. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So, um, you're basically like, at this point, you got the right resume, at least for an entry level trading role, right? You, you didn't feel like, had you, had you seen other people kind of go and become a clerk and then try to join a firm like this? How did you know that specifically this was a, a path? <laughs> and actually, I was told that this definitely was not the path. Right. Um, right. That's because what I would have said. I would have been like, that's kind of a weird path, like going, going onto a floor and then going, trying to apply to like prop shops and stuff like that. It's just weird. Exactly. Right. Well, because if you have no connections and you don't have a stellar resume, mm-hmm. you're never going to get the interview at Chicago Trading Company or right. IMC right. or Optiver. You're just not going to get that interview. There's guys that are applying with 4.2s, extracurriculars, ton of project experience, all from Ivy League. Schools. So, what made you so but confident you, walking out that door? Like, did you just felt like there were other trading shops that maybe it wasn't the top prop shops that you could get a job at or something? Yeah, I mean, so there's smaller firms like right. uh, I don't know, like uh, there was spot spot trading was actually like that's actually a top one of the other top firms. It's no longer in existence, but that's one I applied to. Yep. But like you know, that like 50, maybe fifty people, thirty people in the organization. Those are the kind of things I targeted. Um, okay. Uh, what well, and, and so you know that there's. I think the word is like they're like weedo firms. I don't know. If, I don't. Know. They're just not top firms. But I, and I knew that given my experience, they're at least they're at least going to entertain my background. Right. So that's what I did. So after getting the interview, then you you talk to HR, then they put you on the next segment, which is like maybe like a math test. Or okay. Like before a, you before you go into that recruiting thing, okay. can you tell me what to look out for? Like the types of services. There's a lot of gray area in these prop shops. Like some of them want you to trade, like bring in your own capital. What should people look out for? Like when, if the listeners are interested in this type of job, I know there are a lot of shops out there like boiler room shops where they'll just take your money. Um, so can you tell the listeners what to look out for? Yeah. I mean, if I ever saw something where it was like um, a draw, like a draw or like you had to put in capital to trade, mm-hmm. you just don't want to do that because, first off if you if you're entry level and you don't know how to trade then you're literally just going to lose like it just doesn't even make sense those those types of organizations are for if you have trading background and you know that like like let's say you've been trading on a brokerage account for six years and like you know for a fact that you that you can make money you've proven it to yourself and you really want to take that risk you can go work for a firm where they'll they'll give you capital backing and then you kind of like split the pnl but again the issue with those is that they don't have um their technology is not sophisticated at all. So like, hmm. I don't, you know, I, I don't know much more beyond that. It's just, it just, that is not the type of trading that I would recommend or like even entertain as a, as a profession, because like there's so much randomness out in the markets. Like, yeah, it's just, it just, it just doesn't make sense. So what you do need to look for is, you know, go to the firm's website, see what, you know, see what they're saying, make sure they have like a, a strong, like kind of like recruiting segment of their website like mm-hmm. do they have a bunch of job postings read the job postings do they have some sort of progression like an internship program do they appear at school like top target schools like 
are they going to to Michigan, UPenn, um, MIT, stuff like that? Like, are they appearing there? And that's how you know it's a good firm because they're putting in the effort to, like, go meet new talent. And if they're grabbing new talent at 22 years old, that means they're trying to grow the firm. But they're also not giving these people immediate, like, large responsibilities. Got it. That, okay. that, so, that, so that says that that's a real company. That's you know? great advice. Yeah, so public service announcement <laughs> for the other firms. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, great. So um, so continue. So the recruit, So you start, you start sending out these resumes. You start landing some interviews. Are they decent shops? Are they kind of mediocre, medium? Like, and then what are the, what are the interviews like? Yeah, so I mean, they're they're decent shops. Again, I didn't really care as long as it, it kind of fit that criteria where I knew it was a real firm. Like I knew that they had capital at risk, and that I would be. And I wasn't I wasn't um, I wasn't interviewing for trading roles. It was trading assistant, but trading assistant kind of goes with that notion that you're going to become a trader after a year or two. So right. it was all trading assistant roles I was applying to. Um, so yeah, you talk to the lady on HR, and then they they shove you through um, like kind of like these math tests or like cognition tests. Is that all online, so or you have to go on on site for that? Um, it's either online or over the phone with the HR lady. Got it. Okay. Um, or, or it's with you know like an entry level trader that just hops on the phone after or on, or on like a second phone call like a, a day later or something. Can you give but me an example of, of that type of like a, a question they would ask you? Oh, <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. Expected value of a dice roll. I don't hmm. know. It's three and a half. And then, or like, what's um, 31 times 33? How fast can you do that? The answer is 1023. So they want to know, like, how quickly you can, one, they want to know, like, can you keep your composure under a stressful question? And two, are you accurate? Mm -hmm. But even if you're not accurate, it's like how you compose yourself after you get it wrong. Got it. So, like, maybe there's, like, a little bit more complex of a question that they have to, like, help you walk, that they walk you through. And at least if you can show show them that the light bulb went on at some point throughout that conversation, you might have a chance at moving forward. Got it. But okay. more interestingly, it was, like, kind of the, you know, like, the cognition test, you know, the, the online test. So maybe it was, like, 30 questions. It was all either multiple choice, like, math stuff mm-hmm. or just kind of, like, pattern recognition and, like, I don't even know how to explain it, but I, I took one of the, the, the place I got hired at, ended up getting hired at, there was like a cognition and speed test, and I scored 99th percentile, which I thought was pretty cool. I was proud of myself for that. Pat myself in the back. <laughs> That's pretty badass. So, yeah, yeah. It was, it was actually really cool. Yeah, like pattern cool. recognition, like one of those IQ tests, like that, that like they'll have like a pattern here. You have to match it from like the other side or something like that, and it's complex. So it's like yeah. spatial, and yeah, exactly. it's testing like your spatial intelligence. Your... Okay, cool. Right, right. I think it's actually that doesn't surprise me that you scored 99th percentile if you were getting 30 kills on Halo back in the day with no, (laughs) (laughs) without without dying. Yeah, you got to imagine like your spatial and like I don't know, just hand-eye coordination, like whatever it is, it's just off the charts for to to be that good at those video games. But yeah, go ahead. Did you play sports, by the way? Uh, I mean, like growing up when I was young, I did. Like, I guess baseball maybe helped a little bit. Right. Okay. I was more nerdy in, college, in high school and college. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Playing nerds um, here. Yeah, so I guess after that, then, then they kind of, if, if you pass these, you know, the math test, the cognition test, talk to HR, they know you're not crazy, then they'll pass you on to a, full, a final round in person, or maybe not final round, but you're still going in so they can meet you. Mm-hmm. And so th- this, this, uh, this firm I ended up getting hired at, um, you know, they put me in a room with seven guys, you have no clue who they are. They'll they introduce themselves. They'll give you like their first names. They'll say their role at the company. Hey, I'm 
so-and-so. I'm, I trade crude oil. I, you know, I'm a portfolio manager of this product, blah, blah, blah. So that, this whole process is, is super intimidating. Like, <laughs> I, I maybe it was just me, but I can't stress enough how intimidating it was because, you know, you're dealing with people that clearly know exactly what they're doing and they know everything that you want to know, but you don't know it. And right. they know you don't know it. So they, they, they'll ask you questions that will, like, kind of, again, they, they want to see how you deal with stress and how you deal, like, maintain composure even when you don't know things. But, yeah, so they would ask me, again, like, math questions or, like, uh, you know, if you could stack or if you had to stack pennies all the way to the height of the Sears Tower, would it be able to fit in this small room? And then you have to walk them through that. So you say, like, obviously the answer is yes. Then you, like, talk about, like, the square the square inches of a penny and, like, how it would, it would fit within, like, you know, a couple square feet in the office. I don't know. So you have to walk them through that. And then they would ask me questions on trading, like, you know, uh, do you know put call parity? Um, you know, right. they asked me the style of the trader I worked with on the floor, things like that. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, the interview went well. I got hired. Um, so so you were jumping for doing cartwheels when you got that offer? How did that – tell me how you felt when you got that call. Yeah, yeah. So I, I walked into my dad's office, which was, like, right down the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were I – I was just, like, telling him how the interview went, and then I got a phone call. This was, like, 30 minutes after the in-person interview, and they're like, hey, like, we'd like to give you an offer. And I just, you know – I sat on the chair and just like exhaled because I've been holding my breath for a good six months yeah, <laughs> or a year or whatever. And you know, I finally got the offer. So how long but, between when you walked out of that room to when you got that offer, how long were you, you know, unemployed? Uh, so it's from, it was November of 2014 is when I left the trading floor mm-hmm. and I got hired in March of 2015. Okay. So yeah, it starts getting stressful that around, <laughs> around yeah, that time. Yeah. Yeah. Because the new hiring season starts, you got kids that you're younger than you now that are being looked at. So right. your your window is shrinking. So. And so did you feel like it was a structured process given that this is, you know, a well, well-respected prop shop? It, or do you feel like it was like they were looking to kind of get more a training assistant in there because they had lost somebody? Like, was it an off-cycle type of hire or was it something that, like, was alongside other candidates? Uh, it, it was alongside other candidates cause I had seen other people waiting to be interviewed. Um, and like how many seats were they giving out and how many people were like in that final round or if you, if you had to estimate, um, uh, for that final round, maybe like five or 10. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously they had psyched me through a bunch more through the phone process, but yeah, maybe five or 10. Yeah. And I was the one, they ended up hiring two people actually. So it was an, uh, a guy from University of Chicago that had like a master's in math, and then me. <laughs> so <laughs> that was a little, little, a little intimidating having getting hired alongside this other guy. Yeah, no pressure. But, uh, yeah, no pressure. But yeah, no, I was definitely confident in myself. I, I knew I was, I had some sort of unique ability that it could be of value to these guys. But Great. Uh, yeah, so so this firm was, you know, I was I was at this firm for three months, and of course, lo and behold, they ended up going. I don't think the right word is bankrupt, but they ended up closing the entire office in Chicago. So after three months there, so from March 2015 to July 2015 or whatever, I worked there and then I was without a job again. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So you're like back to square one, but again, now you've gotten hired by, by a respectable prop shop and it's not your fault that the office closed. So you're still kind of, okay, now I got to go through this whole cycle again, but 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 you're still kind of in a good spot resume wise. Exactly. So now I'm, I'm even more refined. I got four months on crude oil options. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually like sitting and watching them decision make. I would sit in on meetings for like risk, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like the partners of the firm. So I totally, 
you know, and I'm applying what I learned on the floor and seeing it, like comparing the differences and like, I don't know, it was definitely a unique experience. So, and yeah, so the last day at that firm ended up being my first day at the, another firm. I had been interviewing, getting looked by like a lot of firms, you know, even top firms like CTC caliber. Um, How long did you have when they said, hey, we're closing this office? How, a couple months? I had one month. One, one month. month. Get, oh, man. Not a lot. And so had you had already been, you had already been kind of getting calls and stuff from other top firms. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I started putting my resume out there again and I was getting hits left and right. Um, but you know, again, I, you know, at that time I'm 22 years old, I want to have money to like go hang out with my friends. Also. Yeah. So I took, you know, I took the next job I could. So it was, it was an equity options trading firm. They were definitely renowned in that space. Um, they were heavy in the VIX products. They had guys that had been trading VIX options for, you know, 20 years, they were the, you know, the largest players in VIX. And I just thought that was pretty cool because VIX options trade differently because it's already, it's already a volatility derivative product. Mm -hmm. Like the future on a VIX product is. It's like the derivative of a derivative, derivative, derivative of a derivative. (laughs) Your volatility is even crazier or whatever. Exactly. So it was, it was definitely cool to learn from these guys. And then I got to talk to people that were trading equity, like baskets of equity options. So like anything from Apple stock to Tesla stock, all that stuff. Like learning how options trading works in tandem with like short selling as part of your hedge and like how like the hard to borrow stocks, like stocks that are super heavily short and like how it's not easy to actually get a hedge off if that's the case. I don't know. So there's a bunch of like intricate things I learned at this shop mm-hmm. and I met a, met a bunch of good people and it was just fun to be around these these smart people. But again, it was, you know, this wasn't a full time trading gig. So I was just, you know, stressing out like, Hey, like, you know, I'm, I'm now, you're still an year, assistant. Year and a half. You're still a trading yeah, assistant. Yeah. I'm still an assistant. Right? Yeah. So I'm a year, year and a half out. I have all this experience, but I, you know, where, when am I going to actually get my footing? So then, uh, I interviewed for a trading role at that firm. And unfortunately they gave it to the guy who had been interning there for three years. You know, it's not like I interviewed bad, but right. You know, Either the guy that's been interviewing or interning there three years, or the guy that just showed up a month ago. Yeah, so, that's tough. That's so, tough. So, so you you felt like you had the job, it didn't happen. They gave it to another guy, and then so you had to keep interviewing. And so, why were you interviewing? You just felt like you weren't going to get the trading job at this second firm. They weren't going to promote you anytime soon. Um, I was. Just, I think I was just getting impatient. So while I was trading, while I was a trading assistant at that firm, I was like, hey, you know, I want to, you know, I want to move up the ranks. Can we? can I interview with, along alongside this intern that's, you know, also gunning for this role. Mm-hmm. So they let me, they let me interview. And then after I, you know, they're like, Hey, like we, you know, we're not going to give you the office type thing. It ended up being kind of like a, not an awkward situation because, you know, I, I got the job offer in the first place at this firm because I had a friend that worked there. So it's yeah. kind of, it was kind of more of a favor. Like it was kind of just, you know, no hard feelings. Like, yeah, we're just, we're going to give the guy that's been here for three years, the job, not you. Right. So then, so by, you know, this was September, 2015. Um, I, you know, I talked to the lady that hired me. was like, yeah, I'm going to see what else I can do. She's like, yeah, feel free to stick around for another month if you need time. Uh, good luck on the rest of your stuff. So I stuck around for a month. Wait, so you're saying here. because you were a trading assistant, you interviewed to try and get a promotion. You didn't get it. You had to be like, leave the firm now. <laughs> yeah, it was. It's just because it's like yeah, awkward. That's the way it works. It's like if you're not getting promoted, you're kind of out. Is that the thing? Yeah, like it was, you know there was really not much of a need for me at that point then. I, you know, because the track is your trading assistant, you go to trader. It was just, yeah. But you'd only been there for like how many months? I was there from July to September. Yeah. So it's like three months and then that, that's enough yeah. for it to be like, okay, that's yeah. it. Okay. So, it's a different so now, world. I, I, I don't, I don't get it, but okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was definitely an, 
kind of an, an interesting situation. But so now it's like, all right, so I've been at three firms now. I have all this trading experience. Am I diluting myself? I'm not a trader yet. Like it was, trust me, it was, it was a very, it was a stressful time. It's like, am I, am I making the right decisions here? But obviously I had my, you know, I had a goal in mind. And I think that's extremely important is to have, you know, you need to know what you want to some degree. So then you can talk about your journey and like sound smart about it as right. you're talking about it. Yeah, like, your story, you know, people, have your story down. Yeah. Yeah. How, yeah. Your story's down. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. So then from September of 2015, all the way till February of 2016, I was just interviewing and oh I'm getting gosh, hit, but the, it was, it was post hiring season. And again, like the barriers to entry are super hard. If you mess up one math question on the phone interview, you're not getting on to the next round. If, you know, if the guy didn't like one remark on the on the phone interview, he just thought, you know, if you say something wrong, Dude, that's brutal. Know, that's what seven months of interviewing. It was another. It was another five months. Five months of interviewing. Yeah. So yeah, that's it was, it was, insane. <laughs> so, so at what yeah. point did you think, hey, I'm just, this is not going to happen? I mean, because there's so few seats out there, right? There's only whatever, like a whatever 30, 40 prop shops out there that are like respectable, right? Um, exactly. At least ones that aren't super tiny and. So did you feel like, hey, um, this is just not going to happen for me? What was at month four? No. What was your thought process of like you're getting enough hits where you're still staying positive? Uh, I was getting enough hits to stay slightly positive, yes. Secondly, it was, just a, it was a big mental game. It was just like, you know, again, like, I, yeah, there was definitely times where I was super discouraged. I was like, I'm ne- this is never going to happen. Like there's guys that are, way, you know, not way smarter, but are just way more qualified. You know, they're, they're, they're a year younger than me now. They're coming out of Ivy League schools. These are these are the people that are getting hired. Like it's never going to happen. So but at the same time, I just, I just knew in the back of my head, like I, I know the experience I have and I know the things that like my, my superiors were saying to me, they're like, yeah, like, you're actually really good. Like we're impressed, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. And I just don't really take no for an answer again. I'm stubborn. And I, and I just, I just knew that it was going to work out. I just kind of had faith. So <laughs> what do you, where do you think that comes from? Like your stubbornness or your, is it like a, a family trait or is it something you just kind of grew up being like that? I, I think it's, you know, maybe it's a family trait. I think maybe my mom has it, but yeah, I've, I've kind of been that, yeah, I've been that way kind of my, kind of my whole life. I don't know. And like, I just, I, you know, again, coming from kind of like a, a poor background, like not having, not having much, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. And like, I, and I was smart and I, I all my friends were kind of rich. So like, it was, there was like the societal pressure of like being able to like have enough money to go hang out with my friends, you know, like they're going on like yachts and yeah you know going on vacation and like doing all these fun things like well i at least want a good job to talk about so it was was more than just like having a good job it was like i needed it like i needed it for like my my existence you know so that's what really drove me Um, it was like yeah because you were friends with people who just came from you know from more you know they had more wealth and so like they were doing all these things so it was like even more of a motivating factor because you're like man i want to i really want to do all these things with them but i can't like I can't go take that right. trip. I can't do this. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense. So you're, you're kind of like, hey, I just even if you didn't have that much money too, it was like more of a societal thing, like you said, where you having that job would at least allow you to hold your head up high, right? So um, yeah, it, it was something. It was something cool to talk about. Something you can be proud of. I don't know. Yeah, so yeah that makes total sense. That was a bigger driver than anything else, I would say. I don't know. So you're you're stubborn. You're continually to interview, like. Are you getting to the point where you've kind of applied everywhere? That's like, you know what, you know <laughs> I mean, what I mean? You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised if okay. there's, there's always another firm. But yeah, I mean, I definitely applied to most places, that's for sure. Because um, you ended up yeah, at so a great we, place. Um, yeah, I, yeah. 
so I'm surprised that like you were interviewing for that long and then ended up where you did. So can you tell me a little bit about like how that happened? Yeah. So, uh, when I was, when that firm was going down, that second firm, when it went bankrupt or whatever the word is, yep. I had, I had gotten a hit from this top firm. Um, and so the interview went well with them on the phone. I had talked to some of the traders there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, the feedback from HR was like, yeah, these guys are generally pleased. We'll get back to you. But they never, they just never got back to me. And that's just kind of how it goes sometimes. So it was, it ended on a positive note. I just hadn't heard anything. So I reached, I reached out again. It had been seven months or whatever. So that kind of, it made sense given the time that it passed to reach out again. It was, you know, you didn't reach. So after an initial phone interview that they said, oh yeah, it was great. You didn't reach out again for seven months. It's uh, a good question. Come on, that doesn't I, sound know, that doesn't sound very stubborn. <laughs> I would, I, I would, honestly, I could go through, I could go through my email history. Right no, now. it's I, fine. I, prob- I probably did. I yeah. probably did, and I probably probably, probably once or twice, and then it was just radio silence. So you like gave you just let it sit. <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. But yeah, so then eventually, you know, they just ended up getting back to me saying, "Hey, we we have a new role in Euro dollars." Um, and it, it's, it's a trading role. It's, it's for the European shift. It's, it'd be an overnight role. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? And I said, uh, yeah, they'd be happy to interview. So the kind of the kicker there is that it's overnight. No one, really, you know, people that are entitled, they don't want to work the overnight role. So you, your, your pool of candidates kind of shrinks pretty quickly. Um, I'm sure. So what are your hours? So my, my hours are, uh, whatever, like 11 PM or midnight to 7:30 AM, something like that. Brutal. Um, which, again, like, you know, I don't really care. Like, it's not, to, to me, it's not a big deal. Just being able to have this experience, like, be something I'm proud of was was enough. So, yeah, they, um, they you know, I did another phone interview with HR. You know, you could you could just tell the difference in, in like, employee quality, I hate to say, but, like, even just talking to the lady in HR, you can tell she's dealing with, uh, you know, a lot more, you know, people with higher credentials. You know, she, this lady's also hiring, you know, Head of fixed income, head of commodities, head of equity. She knows. She's she knows what her. she's talking about. It's not like some yeah, just random is. HR person. Right. It's exactly. like she actually so, understands trading. Yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah. So every everything about this process is definitely more intimidating. You can feel that it's it's way more refined. Um. So yeah. So they, I did go. I think it was either Wall Street Oasis, your website, or some other forums, and I read up about the specific interviews at this firm. Mm-hmm. I read every single post. Ever on the internet about that firm, like I, there wasn't a single post I didn't read. WSO is so, surprisingly I, a decent place to find out about prop shops. Um, it has its own little kind of micro community. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so okay, you you read everything you could, absorbed everything you could, yeah. but it was still like, how else did you prepare? It was just like, did you were you like practicing mental math going into it, or how did you? I guess. Yeah. Get practicing ready. mental math and then like having conversations in my head kind of like a crazy person like <laughs> you know like imagine imagining a question being asked to me and then like thinking about my response and then like rethinking about that response and just i was obsessive it was very it was very obsessive mentality but it, it it was so my thought process became so refined after a year and a half of interviewing and like all this experience that like i was able to respond kind of in a well thought out smart way did you ever think be, of getting a mentor or doing mock interviews more, like with friends that were in the business? Just, to be to be honest, I yeah. didn't even I didn't even know that it existed. Okay. But had I, um, I definitely probably would have. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking to someone in the in the industry that's not interviewing you, but that can tell you all these good things, is probably 
the or, biggest advantage. Or give you honest feedback, like, or give you honest right, feedback right. of like, hey, that story's good. Your story's good, but this is this part's a little weak. You know, let's tighten that up. Um, cool. Okay, so you you're doing well. You're like, oh man, you can feel this is like a much more legit shop. <laughs> Just through the conversation with HR, she passes you on. What happens next? Yep. So then I get a phone interview scheduled. It's with these two guys that trade the product. Um, so yeah, it was basically everything I read on the forums in terms of like types of questions that they might ask me. So the very first, you know, they introduced themselves. And then the very first question they asked me is, you know, you know, after going through my background and my resume, I talked about that a little bit. Yep. It was like, so the first question was, uh, I can't remember exactly. It was like, add up your telephone number and then multiply all the numbers and, and then something else. It's some sort of mental math using my telephone number. And I had literally just done that problem 20 minutes prior and memorized the answer, even though I had just gotten a new phone number, <laughs> oddly enough. That is amazing. So yeah, when they asked me that question, I, I answered it right away. I did do the mental math in my head, so I, you know, I don't feel totally dishonest that I knew the answer ahead of time. Yeah. But I, you know, I answered it right away to the point faster than these guys even calculated it. They probably asked me and then you know, get it on a calculator, or like wrote it down real quick. But by the time they even wrote it down or whatever, I had already answered it in my head. So that was basically, you know, that was it. Like that was my, the very first thing I did from, from then on, they were already impressed. And then they asked me about like my thoughts on Janet Yellen and like Fed policy moving forward and like how Euro dollars and implied vol should, should behave given certain scenarios. Talk about that for a little bit. How, how did you, were you ready about, where do you feel, um, do you feel like you're actually well-versed in, in uh, macroeconomics and interest rates and movements across those? Like, did, did you prepare for it knowing that it was your dollar? Um, you, you can prepare for it. Uh, no, I don't think I had really a deep understanding of macroeconomics, but I did know that like, just like basic stuff that like, if a yield, like a interest rate product goes up, yep. that's yields going down. Right. So just, just, so just because I knew that I was able to like, Back Talk into about how, yeah. Back into how like puts behave, given that re- reverse scenario, and then like talking about like, I don't know, talking about like the Fed dots. I guess I had read some articles about like the future projection of of Fed rates. rates. Yep. And, like this was kind of like a big thing that was being talked about in 2016. Yep. Because yep. this is when they first started to raise rates. So it, there was definitely stuff easily searchable, easily showing up on Google. Where if you had just read the Wall Street Journal articles or Market Watch or things like that, you'd have as long as you're paying attention, you're making an earnest effort uh, at understanding these things, then you would, you'd be able to talk about it. Yep. Okay. So continue. So yeah, yeah. So they're impressed right away because is this something, the, the whole phone number thing, was that something you had like read about somewhere? So you knew it was potentially coming or was it something you just did? Like, where did you, <laughs> how did you get so like that? That's kind of lucky, man. Right. Like, let's man, be- I am telling you, yeah, that is the luckiest thing that happened to me in the whole process. But I mean, so yeah, it was definitely, it was in a forum. I read the problem. Mm-hmm. Did it in my head while I was like stressing out at sitting in like some some office in my dad like a, a spare office in my dad's office. Mm-hmm. And I was like going over these weird problems, <laughs> and then the phone call started, and that's when it happened. So it was kind of just like sitting in my 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 mental ram. It was kind of just already the answer was already there. Yep. Um. So yeah, I, it was super lucky. But yeah, so then I get off. You know, I get off the phone. Uh, that you know, you you could tell that they were impressed because of you know the way I answer these certain questions, and then. You know, HR got back to me. They're like, okay, yeah, we, everything went great. We'd love to bring you on site. Um, great. So, yeah, you want me to talk about that? <laughs> yeah, I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, so you go on site. Now it's like, okay, almost like a final round, right? So you're... Yeah, this, yeah, this is a final round. Biggest firm in, or best firm in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I am 
I am sweating. You can visibly see all the my pit stains, everything. <laughs> uh, you know, this is you know, so much adrenaline. My hair is falling out, things like that. Oh my gosh. So you're like, (laughs) was it the summer or something? Or are you just so nervous? I was just, no, it was, it was, uh, what was it? January. So I was just nervous. You're just nervous. Um, so yeah, uh, I, you know, walk into the the office. The first people I talk to is the lady on HR and then the two guys I talked to on the phone, um, for the phone interview. And it was kind of more of the same. It was just cool to kind of like after they were already impressed, it was just nice to like meet these people, shake their hand. And then like from there, it's more of like a body language thing. Like they want to know, can, you know, do you have a firm handshake? Is the way you speak, is it authoritative? Um, right. You know, can you look me in the eye? Did it look like you have a, a gape gaze where there's something going on behind your eyes? Are you smart? <laughs> it's more like, beha- know, it becomes like more that. behavioral once that you pass that it's a behavioral crazy thing. technical. Exactly. Yeah. Got it. Makes sense. Right. You know, these guys, you know, these guys are going to have to sit next to you every day. So they want to know that they like you and that you're like on the same mental wavelength. Right. So, Cool. That was kind of big. Yeah. So then they went, they went over like, you know, your dollar trading strategy and like kind of like basic stuff, but like something that no one would know unless you actually traded the product. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to see how quickly you can learn something in an interview. And so when he went over those things, uh, you know, I understood it pretty quickly. And so like, it was, he asked me like one question, it was either this or that. I forgot exactly what the answers were, but I said, you know, 50% chance of getting the answer right. I got it right. So then he was like, all right, well, that's enough. And so after that, they brought in the partner. So this guy is the was the head of Eurodollar Trading. So this guy is, you know, this guy is big time. He yeah. knows exactly what he's doing. Um, very, you know, very intimidating, very smart. Like, seriously, even if I didn't get a job, it just it was just cool to like speak to this person. Yeah. So then they, you know, they kind of explained the the, the trade, like the, the general thesis behind their 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 book, the way they trade these options, um, and then they they wanted to see like kind of the questions I can regurgitate after they explained it. So just to see how you synthesize what they talked about and, the, you know, how you think. And so that went well enough. And then again, he did a mental math question that the, the, the partner did. The question was 31, 31 times 33. I answered that pretty quickly. Um, and so that was enough. And, the, you know, there was, a, there was a need for someone to work the overnight shift. Uh, and it was down to maybe five candidates. The four candidates that didn't get hired, you know, they were all, again, they were all Ivy League guys like Stanford, Princeton stuff like that but they mm-hmm. just didn't quite have you know they didn't have the knack and they didn't answer the, the telephone question faster than me so they hired <laughs> me <laughs> oh my gosh that's amazing yeah. that's just amazing yep. so that's got to feel amazing. pretty good um after that long yep. search um cool man so tell me a little bit about um how it's been there and what's it like you know you've been working the overnight shift for how long now yeah yeah so so to be clear um I'm not that firm anymore <laughs> okay it's funny enough so yeah, so I was there for two years, and I I took that experience because you know I'm impatient and stubborn. I want to I want to keep climbing. So now I'm at a startup trying to like grow a business, which is pretty cool. But I can I can definitely talk about my experience trading euro dollars. Sure. That'd be um. Great. So yeah, I mean my first day on the job, <laughs> you know this is um, you know this is when Yellen's starting to raise rates, and like you know just just knowing comparing the sizes. It's all you know when you're trading options, it's about like the amount of sizing you're doing. Like you know maybe on the floor in the bean pit they're trading a hundred up. And maybe on the crude oil desk, they're trading 500 up. And then when I can you <laughs> explain I that for the people desk, who don't know those terms, 500 up, 100 up? Can you explain what that means? Yeah, it's just like the, the the size of the contract you're trading. So like if you're on the screen and you're looking at options, and you want to trade something, maybe like a put spread or like a put or mm-hmm. a call spread or something. Yeah. You you know there's a, there's a, a you know you decide how much you're going to do. So a one lot would be just one option. A hundred lot would be hundred options. So. Right. 
you know, 500 up means it's 500 options on the, on the package or the outright option. Yep. So it's just, yeah, it's just a measure of like the amount of risk you're taking. Um, so, so yeah, so I walk into the first day on the year dollar desk and they're like, yeah, uh, you know, we're half bid at one hundred thousand up. <laughs> so it's definitely a big jump from, you know, <laughs> they're mov- they're so moving a little bit more money yeah so that's how you know you knew and just looking at like the option inventories when you look at the actual like position and the risk that they have on it was definitely you know it was, it was institutional size like it was you know goldman sachs would have a similar book but they wouldn't because they don't even dabble in option volatility market making. so you guys were like so, were I you mean, big enough to actually move we, the market yeah oh 100 yeah like, we would we would trade things and it would shift the entire like term structure. Wow. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, it was super cool. And then like, you know, asking people, I mean, the culture was kind of, how do I explain it? Like people were kind of quiet and like they all were kind of, you can just tell there's a lot of gears turning in everyone's head, mm-hmm. which is cool in its own way. So you had to be like choosy about the questions you ask. You know, you, know, you don't want to sound too stupid, even though <laughs> you were stupid relative to everybody else. Yeah. Um, so it was kind yeah, of, it was a quieter, kind of more intellectual culture. Um, exactly. Got it. Okay. So people were kind of just really focused on their job because so much was at risk, I'm sure, across exactly. all those desks. Exactly. Okay. So yeah, I'd love to hear. So, you know, day to day, what were you, were you with those two, those two guys that were kind of interviewing you initially, like kind of sitting yeah. alongside them? Were you given a, a book right away? Like how did, how did that work? And, tell, yeah, so, and talk to me about comp a little bit too. Yeah, yeah sure. So, um, yeah, when I started, you know, I was, I was sitting next to two guys that hired me, and there's a couple other guys that were kind of like same seniority, you know, mid-level traders. Um, so I'd watch them trade on the screen, and they would, like, ask me questions when it was quiet, just so they can, like, gauge whether I understood what was actually going on. Like, if something, you know, because as the markets are active and moving fast, there's a bunch of, like, a bunch of noise, and it's all about, like, can you filter out the noise and figure out what the trades are going through the market that actually matter? So they want to know whether I was picking that up or not. And then just general like option theory and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So after two months of doing that kind of stuff, they just basically said, Hey, all right, we're going to start you on the overnight session. You are now in like, you're now the guy. <laughs> so, so yeah, my, my day to day, I would get in at like 11 or midnight, something like that. But tell me about that know, first, tell me about that first night. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was definitely uh adrenaline. <laughs> so, so much adrenaline. Cause like, you, you know, you're like, please no don't much, blow up. Please don't blow up my first night, right? Yeah, exactly. No matter, no matter how much theory you know, like actually trading is a totally different ballgame. So, how active did they yeah. expect you to be? Can you talk a little bit about like you said the positions were huge, but like, are you can you talk a little bit about the specific trades you were putting on and then almost like you know how active you had to be? Was it like constant movement? Were you coming in and out like of? of of trades or just explain to someone yeah. in the, I guess in a little bit more like a, I'm a fifth grader level. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that, that's a, it's a good question. Cause it's, it's not, there's no like right or wrong answer really. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, they did expect me a hundred percent. If it was a trade I needed to be doing like, you know, first off it was expected that I memorized the entire position. So like you have, you know, 30 different ex- expiries and we have all these different strikes and all this different inventory. I need to have the entire book memorized what, where we're long, where we're short, what's, you know, our general like risk position in terms of like gamma and Vega, the, the, right. the standard Greeks of your book. Mm-hmm. So it's, the assumption is you're smart enough. You have this stuff memorized period. And then secondly, you need to know how the market moves um, 
our market moves relative to other markets. So like if, you know, if equities are selling off, like the S&P 500 is selling off rapidly, that's a risk off scenario, which, mm-hmm. which means there's a flight to quality, which means our market, which is an interest rate, which is a quality, you know, it's not a risk asset. It's a safe asset. It's a safe right. haven asset. Mm-hmm. So if equities sell off, you need to understand that, that there's a good chance that we're going to rally. Our, we're, our market's going to go up, which means yields go down. That's a risk off move. So kind of just like the general function of fixed income relative to equities and like things that are happening geopolitically. So you were, you would be watching the other markets, seeing what's going on there, and then you would start executing trades right away. Yeah. So yeah. So the trading. So for options market making, it's really about what is your theoretical value, mm-hmm. and um, what is paper trying to do. Paper is like the institutional guys, like either people at banks or hedge yep. funds yep. that are putting on like more specific bets. Like that's the true order flow. That's the, the people that demand, um, you know, the, the people that demand this product. They demand the market exists so that they have this liquidity. Right. And so we're just we're providing that liquidity. Okay. So let's say there's a put. Let's say there's a put spread, and it's worth one tick. My market is half bid at one half, and I would just make sure that I'm on both sides of that market for a good size. And if it's being looked at a bunch, like there's a there's a window on our software. Yeah. It's called an RFP window. So if there's a request for quote. And you see that it looks like it's an interesting trade that it that it actually might trade, then you you just make sure you're out there, like you have you're quoting you're quoting it, and that you're going to participate on the trade. Got and it. so where where it becomes interesting is that like, let's say the put spread is worth 0.9, and mm-hmm. then on the screen you see that the put spread is one bid for five thousand. You have to decide based on everything that's happening geopolitically around the world, your inventory, uh, you know currency pairs everything you're looking at your bloomberg listening for different sounds you have like little little alerts based on like technical levels yeah all these different things you have to say all right well do i want to trade this or not is it you know is it worth the the whatever the that right. that mar that little tick or whatever you want to call it. i don't know how you call it but that that yeah it's a, it's a point it's a dime it's called the a dime. spread point or whatever point. yeah yeah um so yeah it, it's really so the job is really about like making sure you make the right trade based on these factors so sometimes when you're making a trade it's like it's an obvious trade. It's like, hey, there's a ton of spread here. It's everything's quiet. Like, just do it, yeah. and it's an easy one. Yeah. And then there's other like kind of gray area ones where you're just trying to. You, you'll sometimes kind of go for it, and other times you'll just you know, ease up a little bit. Exactly, a hundred percent. Yep. Okay. So I mean, when there's clear when there's clear edge, like if that put spread was worth point seven and it's one bid, you need to be the first person selling that. You're like, hey, I'm in. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, got so it. So I would okay. sell. I would sell ten thousand of those, no problem. <laughs> like, yep. Um, so, so yeah, that was kind of a gist, but like, you know, when I first started out, you don't, you don't even understand how these things operate. Like you wouldn't have the intuition to know, okay, this thing might trade. I need to be on it. Um, and you, you know, memorizing the position is pretty difficult when you have, you know, there's maybe like 500 line items that you have to have the exact number pretty much memorized. Right. So you don't really, and like, you know, the risk, you know, you have a risk slide and it's like all your different Greeks, um, based on your, the, the different scenarios so you have like maybe like a packet of 10 pages um you know we were pretty archaic it was all on printed paper but now it's all most top firms now they have it on screen it's it's more like dynamic software that, that yep. shows the risk that's updating but for it. me it was on it was on a piece of paper and it was like maybe like a pamphlet of 10 20 pages and i needed, I needed basically to also memorize that too so <laughs> there's a lot of like memorization and just like so this is just in, to so you in, understand where your exposures are and if things are going right. certain ways what you needed almost like how to how to close that risk or lose less basically exactly mm-hmm. so yeah and then so the you know the, my, the biggest thing is like you just you have to be out there when 
because like for your dollars the, the deepest expiry is like four years which is like you know most market making deaths it's shorter expiries like crude oil maybe you have like a six month expiry right. treasury option it's like three months expiry okay so you're kind of more in and out of the market but like for your dollars it's more of like you're kind of more, you know like like a mortgage company they they'll they, they'll put on mortgages and like warehouse all these a pool of mortgages or they'll like securitize them and sell them off that thing but like someone's mm-hmm. holding a long duration asset right so it's just if something trades that's illiquid in your dollars and we've been warehousing it for a year and like it's clearly the trade we need to be doing it was that was the biggest stress was like if this is a three-year option and we have the inventory and it's trading the way we need it to trade like you can't miss that or like yeah or, or you get fired you get fired <laughs> so because it's 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 yeah. it sometimes will sit for a while and when when that opportunity presents itself you need to be be there and ready exactly got it so yeah i mean there's there's definitely definitely a stressful job but like as long as you're smart and you you keep after it like it's very rewarding cool so tell me how long you were there and kind of how long were you doing the overnight shift and then kind of what what made you think it's time to do something new yeah um so i was there for two years uh first year was kind of again more like getting my my feet wet the introductory Mm -hmm. you know i was a trader but i wasn't super confident and then second year definitely more confident they gave me you know kind of more authority in terms of like the size I could trade. Um, and like, you know, if, if, uh, and you were you know, doing well, you, you, were, you were doing well so far, like they were happy with your. Oh yeah. Yeah. So after, you know, after my first year review that, you know, they say, Hey, like you're doing a great job. Here's your, here's your bonus, et cetera. Do you mind sharing uh, what your base and bonus was or your overall comp? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, like 90 as a first year trader, like, overnight guy that's like the you know you're the bottom of the barrel you're making 95 for and then for base bonus, for base yep as your base salary mm-hmm. yeah. and then your and then your bonus is like it, even if like we we lost money that year like <laughs> mm-hmm. um it was actually you know it's kind of a, a black swan year for the firm and of course it was the year i showed up but of yeah course. so even when we lost money uh you're at, at at a lower level trading that you're guaranteed 25 K. So, you know, my take home was 120. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, on a profitable year, it's a totally different story. So you're 95 base plus maybe like one or two times your, your salary. So, so you your know, second, a, were, really, were you, were you lucky enough in your second year to have this firm to do better? And, uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So were you so, getting, did you get a bump in base at all in your second year? Yeah. I got a, you know, 10 K raise and then, yeah, the bonus was, you know, I guess, a six-figure bonus so about 150 or so whatever um 100 yeah so yeah, yeah okay. i mean all, all day if you're at a mid to a good size mid to a good tier firm and mm-hmm. you're a trader like mid-level yep you're anywhere between 150 to 250 is what 100, 150 200 to be conservative is is what your take home is yep. on good years it'll be over 200 all said and done great okay so let's get that thank you for that data point so you're you're in your second year. You're more confident. You're trading bigger size, and then, yeah. Tell me, were you were you still on the overnight? Yeah, I was still on the overnight. I again, I didn't have any qualms with it. Like it was, it to me, it was it was kind of calming because you know you have the, the desk was there's eleven people total on the desk, and for me to go in and just be one person on an entire eight hour shift, I felt like that was kind of cool in its own way. Like it it actually spoke a little bit if I ever needed to transition into a new firm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that was that was no issue. Uh, yeah, second year they gave me the re- the right to do block liquidity. So block trades are when you have like a major prime broker, maybe like 
Credit Suisse or Morgan Stanley that has a you know a major institutional player that needs liquidity on on large size. So most of the time, I would make the market for for blocks. So that, you know the block threshold is ten thousand up. Um, so yeah, if it was something super tricky like a front month year dollar trade, mm-hmm. front month front month is tricky because it has a direct core like that's a that's a bet directly on like Fed policy over the next few months. Got it. <laughs> so like. It's, it's not very easy to, to predict price unless you're like you're you know you're a veteran like even people that have been trading the product for years will will totally screw up trading front month year dollar options it's a su- it's a super complex product to trade Got other it. than that yeah was, I was trading the block liquidity and then in terms of like my exit there you know so maybe I'm giving away too much people would figure out the firm but um, yeah I mean there's just a general restructuring after we lost money that year. Um, you know, the, the owner of the firm wasn't too happy. They fired a bunch of people, not me. They, they fired like kind of like the senior level people, the head of the desk and like the, the senior traders. Mm-hmm. There was a, enough of the, the risk takers that had been pre historically profitable. Yep. They had all gone and it just felt like there was a, a definite culture shift there. <clears throat> and it felt like, you know, overnight's fine, but I want to have kind of more of an impact and like, I don't know. I just, I just, I was curious. So I started interviewing around. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I ended up liking the people that I interviewed with, and they were telling me about like their their strategy and what what they're trying to do, and the amount of people at the firm. And I was like, you know what, I'll just, I'll hop on board. So yeah, so right now I'm at a startup. It's um, you know we're eight people. <laughs> we have three guys that are veteran traders. They've been they traded the floor. They've seen it all. Yeah. Um, and they've got a bunch of money stored away, and they're investing in technology. And they have, you know, they have high hopes to kind of like start this, this new firm. Um, so and then we, you know, we hired a few like Russian programmers. They're really good. <laughs> are you guys, are you guys starting to, you're, you're already trading or it's getting set up right now? Oh no. Yeah. We've, we've been trading. Mm-hmm. They've been trading for a couple of years now. Yep. Um, and so I've just, I kind of hopped on board with them. So yeah, we, you know, so three, tra- two actual traders, one guy that's kind of, you know, he's a backup trader plus like head of technology and recruiting mm-hmm. and yep. he kind of like oversees the entire operation and then we have the, the three programmers. We have, you know, we have a, we have a guy from Citadel who was like a developer. Mm-hmm. We have a guy from um, the, the two Russian guys. Actually, I'm not even sure where they're from, but, you know, <laughs> they definitely, you know, they, they, they move the dial. They're smart. You know, they, they know what they're doing. They've been programming for quite a while. So you're doing a lot of algo. Is it more like algorithmic? Are you taking actual position um, instead of just market making or is it still, is it still a market making type shop? It's, it's still, it's still market making, but, Right, like you know, the constraint now in market making is technology. Yep. Like, this you know, is the spreads are so small, right? So spreads spreads are super small. Yep. And so it's now it's about latency and whether like can you show enough size out there to compensate for that small spread? Got it. Because you know, yeah, when spreads are small, you need to you need to magnify the amount of size to right. capture the same amount of dollars. Makes so sense. So it's all about technology getting in and out of the market. So that's what we're working on. It's like, you know, we had to build out a hedger. So like. First off, it's like futures liquidity, like making sure we're first in the market for futures, mm-hmm. and then second, it's like our quoting for options. What made you, what made you think that a, a startup like this would be better positioned um, than um, an established firm that you left? Was it because of the, the people that were leading this startup and kind of their their track record? Um, yeah, I mean, it was a mix of everything. Like you know, I was just kind of, I you were looking I, for something new. Firm culture i wanted something new like yeah you know there's so many smart people at top firms that like literally 
to differentiate yourself from a guy that's been trading the same product for 10 years and he's from MIT and he knows exactly like everything. Like you're never, I don't want to say never because I hate admitting that to myself, but like the chances of actually like compounding your, your, your income and like changing your life is so much smaller at a big firm like that. So if you can take your, because your you're not going to get, you're not going to get a big cut of the P and L anytime. Yeah. Soon. Like, yeah. yeah. Like it's going to, it would take years to be promoted to senior trader and actually get like true, you know, cuts big enough where like you can become partner of that. Firm. Can you talk about what the cuts look like, like from trader, middle level and kind of partner? Like, do you know those numbers? Uh, yeah. So again, so like if you're trading, we'll start from the bottom. If you're a trading assistant, 85K. Yep. If you're entry, like first year trader, 95K. Bonuses are minimum 25K. Yep. And then if you're a mid-level trader, your salary is going to be between 105 to 125. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, bonus gets a little bigger again, like maybe one to two times your salary. And then if you're a senior trader, depending how long you've been there, things like that, I really don't know the salary, but I, you know, it's 150 plus for sure. Yep. You know, the, the guy that was a senior trader there, he had a, you know, he's 40 years old, had a family. So I'm, I would imagine they're paying him over 200 salary yep. and then his cut would be, you know, maybe half a million bucks if it's a profitable year. But is it like a based on like what he brings in on his trades? Is it like a percentage of that? Is that how it's done, or is it um, more yeah. just no. no, 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 no. So it's like so for for these bigger markets, like when you're trading product on like the Merck and stuff. Yeah. The the you know it's just one it's one product it's one team effort. Got so it. you have eleven people trading one product. So it's more of like yeah, it's the whole group. Like, Got it. Yeah. Right. So it's a dumb question. Sorry. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. All right, so so you so the head of the desk obviously taking note about how how good you're doing. If you're not right. doing well, they're gonna like fire you. <laughs> so got it. So yeah, but, but then head of desk, like you know, so our firm, I think we averaged, you know, again we're we're a major institutional player. Like we trade a ton of size, so our profits on average are like thirty million. Mm-hmm. Um, and for your specific product, for your specific product. for our specific product, between for us eleven guys. So like yeah. maybe the take home for the desk is thirty percent of that because yep. you have to pay. You have to pay all the developing and fees and pay the firm for the capital backing, things like that. Yep. So 30%, that's, you know, that's 9 million bucks. So maybe four and a half million goes to the head of the desk. Right. Got it. Makes sense. Okay. So, and then, so, then, so then the other four the and a half gets, gets trickled into the 10 other people. Right. Know? Okay. So, but like, you know, you can't, ex- like that's, a, that's an exorbitant amount of money. Like this guy knew exactly what he was doing. He was, you know, he was genius level smart. Like, mm-hmm. you know, people that are trading at like, not firms, but it's not as much exposure. Maybe their profits on the year are 10 to 15 million, mm-hmm. 30% of that, call it three to 5 million. Mm-hmm. You still have the same number of people. So maybe head of desk gets a million bucks and then the rest trickles. Yeah, it's a little so, less all the way down. Yep. Okay. Right. That's fair. Thank yep. you for those numbers. So you're at this new shop. Yeah, tell me a little bit more about uh, this new place. Yeah, so the new shop, I mean, we're just we're working on new technology and working on new ways of like managing your, an overall volatility book. Because again, spreads are tight, and we need to figure out like how, how do you manage how do you manage a book beyond like just the traditional Greeks like Vega and Gamma and stuff like that. So like right now, my role is working on a project. I'm using Excel, Python, and R, and I'm just like kind of I'm building out like this thing that runs a simulation based on like historical historical data. So it's it's difficult because you have to like. I have to, like, build out the infrastructure for, like, pulling this data in the first place. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. to start up to people here. It's, like, just, there's just a lot of, like, nitty-gritty stuff I got to do first before I can even, like, build out a real trading system. Right. But, so and you're, are you I'm working at. with the developers in Russia with that for that? 
Are they helping uh, you? They're, they're, they're Russian developers, but they, they live in Chicago. So, but okay. yes, I am. Cool. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm working with them and I mean, it's, it's, it's a little slow, like getting, getting the firm on its feet just cause like, again, it's about manpower and the amount of money you have to like hire people. Yep. So, but yeah, I mean, in terms of like, I'm still trading the overnight session, it's U S treasuries. So it's a little bit different of a product. Um, it's, so it's the entire yield curve. So there's the twos, fives, tens, and 30 year mm-hmm. bonds or, or notes, whatever the hell you want to call them. Uh, so we're trading options on those. So it's definitely a different trade. Like we're doing like relative value stuff yep. versus like your dollars is like LIBOR versus Fed policy. Expectations. Are you getting printout? So, are you getting printout still on your, on your, <laughs> on your positions? Or you, do you have a, would you guys have a screen now at this place? In oh terms- yeah. No, everything for us, everything's on screen. Yeah. It's a little bit more advanced. Got it. Um, Cool. But yeah, so no, so, so the true appeal for, was one just because like the culture was great. Like these guys were kind of funny. Like they're you know they're cool guys. And then the one guy worked for um, Salmon Brothers, and he was the clerk for uh, what the heck's his name? Who's the guy that started uh, Long Term Capital Management? Um, oh, LTC. Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I read the book uh, way back uh, in the day. <laughs> Mer- John Merriweather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he worked for him. And so I was just like immediately, I immediately gravitated towards that because like I had just read that book uh, when Genius failed. Yep. Um, so yeah, I was just I was sold on that. So great book, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it's really cool for those. Who yeah, very good book. Yep. Um, cool, man. So anything else before we call the pod in terms of like advice you'd give to your younger self or to any of the listeners? Yeah, I mean, I think you know, kind of like based on the story I was telling you guys, like it's I think it's super important to just have have a goal in mind like not everyone will have a goal in mind but if you do it'll definitely kind of separate you from the rest because you knowing what you want in and of itself is kind of like that's you know that's a good thing like and if you can talk about the process you know you just you just sound a little bit more smart <laughs> uh, i don't know if that like makes sense or if i'm saying that well but and then like have have your own opinions like i don't know if, if you have a true thought process that's like in a in a an opinion different from someone and it can actually sound smart and it actually could be right. Like that's, that's a very, that's a powerful thing and you're going to seem authoritative and like, obviously you're not going to be like, you're not going to get promoted to like a boss or like a senior level guy right away. But those are like the qualities over time. If you compound them over years, like you'll immediately have the respect of people that are above you and you'll get promoted and things like that. I mean, don't always just be, Um, don't always be just a yes man or yes woman where you're just saying agreeing with everything they say challenge them right yeah yeah it's about yeah yeah i mean like come on you you have to be smart and be innovative and that 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 kind of those kind of things are are respected and then lastly i think specifically if you want to get into like trading and stuff like everything's going quant like quantitative stuff so like you have to even if you don't have the experience maybe you have an econ degree like me you at least have to like go in and like maybe take a python course or like work with data sets and just kind of be able to talk about working with data because you're you know that's all they're looking for now is any guys that can Build out tools. And major, like yeah. There's a major, major shortage of that talent, right? So, yeah. like, if you if you can get that on your resume, do it. It's going to give you a big leg yep. up. Cool, yeah. man. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, and thanks to you, my listeners at Wall Street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way, Patrick at WallStreetOasis.com. Until next time.